We had been there all day long. And it had been great, especially since we were able to watch the Cowboys game on the big screen TV. It was fantastic, but Kimberly kept saying, we got to go. We've been here all day. We don't want to wear out our welcome. And I couldn't imagine that. I was talking to somebody else. They said this Thanksgiving when they traveled uh, or when they had company over, uh, they did a lot of things around the house together. But she was so excited when that rascal left because it was so late. Have you ever worn out your welcome? Even when you travel and you see someone that you haven't seen in a while, family members that you haven't seen in a while, and you're celebrating some big holiday, it is so great to be there, but it is so great to be gone. Or if you're the one hosting, it's so great when they're gone, isn't it? We're excited for the moment. But can we sustain the excitement? We're excited for the moment. We're glad to be there. But we're also glad when it's time to be gone. When we look in the Gospels, when we look in the New Testament, we come to Acts chapter 2, we find brethren that are gathered because of a holiday. And there's excitement that is there. But there's something different about this occasion. The excitement seems to continue. The excitement seems to continue to such an extent that people are staying longer than they intended to. And the people that are hosting are glad to have them. In fact, they're selling things so they can stay longer. I want us this morning to think about the events of Pentecost. And as we think about those events of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, verse 38 following, I want us to think about how this relates to us today. Specifically, I want us to look at the occasion of Pentecost. And then I want us to think about the excitement that existed then and the excitement that exists within us as the Benbrook Church of Christ. And then I want us to think about what we need to do to be effective as God's church in this place. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, please be turning to Acts chapter 2. And as you turn to Acts chapter 2, you know this story very well. It's the day of Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit has come upon the apostles. And they've been able to speak in languages they have never studied before. And because of that... People from all parts of the Mediterranean world, Jewish people from all parts of the Mediterranean world, hearing the gospel in the language that they now speak. And a large number of them have decided to become Christians. And that brings us to Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. As Peter concludes his sermon and he tells them to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of their sins... But then notice what happens next. Notice the excitement that is there among the crowd. Acts chapter 2, verse 39, or verse 40 rather. The text says, And with many other words he solemnly testified, and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had received the word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls on the day of Pentecost. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer. 
Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place to the apostles. All of those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. Praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. As we read this passage, you can almost feel the excitement in that Jewish community at that time. They were spending so much time together, day by day, eating in each other's houses, going to uh, another person's house and spending time together. Not just once, not just for a few hours, not just while the Cowboys were playing. Day by day. And what's significant about this is when we understand that this is one of the three premier Jewish holidays that is being observed at this time, as Luke records in Acts chapter 2. In fact, it's such an important holiday that when we come back to the beginning of the chapter, and we identify it as the day of Pentecost, we see that there are people from all over the Mediterranean world that are there. Look at this in verse 8. Acts chapter 2, verse 8. They say to the apostles who are being able to speak in those languages they've never studied, How is it that we each hear the own language to which we were born? Parthenians, Medes, Eliamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, and the districts of Libya and Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. As Luke records what's going on here, he says there are Jewish folks from all over the Mediterranean world. As you think and picture in your mind a map of the Mediterranean, you had people as far east as the city of Rome, the capital of the empire. You had people as far to the west as the area that you and I would now call Baghdad and Tehran. That's Ilium. Those are those regions to the east. And then places as far south as Saudi Arabia. Modern-day Saudi Arabia. Places on the African content, Libya we know. Name hasn't changed all that much. Can you imagine who these folks were? These weren't Jewish folks that were kind of on the fringe of whether or not they were sincere in their Judaism, in their faith. This was before you could get on Southwest Airlines. This was or you could go to Motel 6 where they leave the light on for you. And there's a reason they have to leave the light on for you. But you see what I'm saying? It took a determined mind to say, I'm going to leave Rome and I'm going to travel over there to Jerusalem for this holiday, for this feast. It took a little bit of planning even to come from Saudi Arabia. It looked a little bit of, took a little bit of planning to say, I'm going to come from Elium and from the Medes 
or media. It took some planning. It took some funding. It took some diligence. It took determination. And here they come. And the reason they're coming is because this was one of the chief holidays, as we've already mentioned. Look in Leviticus chapter 26 and verse 13. And notice what Moses tells the people to do in Leviticus chapter 26 and verse 13. That's not the passage I was thinking it was. Chapter 23, verse 16. Don't you always like it when you transfigure your numbers? Look at chapter 23, verse 16. We'll start in verse 15. You shall also count from, uh, for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, the Passover Sabbath, from the day when you are brought from the sheaf of the rare offering there, you shall be seven complete Sabbaths. You shall count fifty days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. You shall present a new grain offering to the Lord. You shall bring in from your dwelling places two loaves of bread for a wave offering, made of two tenths of an ephah. They shall be a fine flour baked with leaven as first fruits to the Lord. Along with the uh, bread, you shall present a seven you shall present seven one-year-old lambs without defect and a bull of the herd and two rams and they are to be a burnt offering to the Lord with their grain offering and their drink offering an offering by fire of a soothing aroma to the Lord. You shall offer one male goat for a sin offering, two male lambs, one-year-old for a sacrifice of peace offering. The priest shall then wave them with the bread of the first fruits and a wave offering with the two lambs before the Lord. They are to be holy to the Lord. On the same day you shall make a proclamation as well. You are to have a holy convocation. You shall do no laborious work. It is to be a perpetual statute in all your dwelling places throughout your generations. This was the Feast of Pentecost. Pente meaning five, fifty. That's where this name in the New Testament comes from, the Pentecost. But you see, this was a day in which the Jews celebrated the bringing in of the harvest. It was considered to be a new beginning. And so they were supposed to bring in all of these animals to sacrifice on behalf of the nation as if to say to God, thank you, sounds familiar, for the harvest. Thank you for all that you have blessed us with. And there was a sin offering. There is a peace offering that the priest was to be making on behalf of the people. It was almost as if it was a new beginning. Not the Day of Atonement, but that was one of the three big days they were supposed to celebrate. It was a day of new beginnings. It was a day of a fresh harvest. It was a day that now we get to fill up our barns, and our homes with good things. And it was a day that all of Israel was to celebrate. It's hard for us in our minds of an industrial nation to think about the importance of bringing in a harvest. 
And even as we think about the Mediterranean world, uh, we think of the Mediterranean world of antiquity as being diverse. But the reality was, or the reality is, it was still, all of the Mediterranean world, a largely agrarian-based economy. And they understood what it was to have a harvest. By Jesus' day, it was a very special holiday. People traveling from all over the world to come to Jerusalem to take part in this feast... Another way to say Pentecost, or another way it's sometimes described in scriptures, in scripture is the, the feast, the celebration of feasts. The week of the feast of weeks. And so that great feast. And all of these people are there in Jerusalem. They've traveled from all over. And I want you to understand that they came with a deliberate plan in mind. We're going to be here for a certain amount of time and then we're going back home. And the people of Jerusalem planned for this event. These people are going to come and flood our city for a couple of days and then they're going to be home. But something has changed. The thing that has changed is that Peter has gotten up along with the other 11 apostles and there's been this rushing sound uh, coming upon these men. Something has changed. And Peter said, this is the change that Joel talked about. The kingdom has come. The Messiah that the prophets talked about has come. People have heard that message. They've heard a message that there's going to be forgiveness of sins, not just because the priests in the temple have sacrificed these seven lambs and these bulls as a sin offering and a peace offering, but because Jesus died once and for all to remove sin from everything. And all of a sudden, all of these Jewish travelers from and from Tehran and from Libya and from Saudi Arabia, although they called them by different names, all of a sudden they're deciding to stay on. And the excitement for what's happening is so great that the Jewish residents of Jerusalem are saying, that's okay, come to my house and eat. And did you notice the text said, day by day? And they came together, the text says, with sincerity and gratefulness in heart. If someone comes over to my house day after day, I'm thinking, when are you leaving, bud? But they did it with sincerity of heart. After I go through my canister of coffee. It's time for you to go. But this text says they're so excited they're selling possessions just so these folks can stay on. They were excited for what was happening. And because they were excited, did you notice what was happening in Jerusalem? You had those 3,000 folks that had decided to become Christians. That sounds like a lot to us. It took 11 guys, well 12 because they've already added Matthias to the number of the, the disciples, Matthias, to the number of disciples. So they're all 12 preaching. It takes 12 of these guys preaching all day long to baptize 3,000 folks. 
Some scholars estimate that you had tens of thousands of extra people living in Jerusalem. It was actually a pretty small percentage of folks that responded to the gospel that first day. But as they continue with their excitement and their work and their teaching, the text tells us at the very end of the passage, verse 47, the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. It had an impact on those others that were in Jerusalem. And the church continued to grow because they were excited. I want us to think about the excitement that we have. I want us to compare some things with what was happening here in Acts chapter 2 with what can be happening with us today as the Benbrook Church of Christ. Notice what this church did as they lived in that time of excitement and infused incite excitement with what had happened. As we come back down to the text and we look in verse 43, we'll start in verse 41. It said, Those who had received his word were baptized. We understand that. 3,000 souls were added. Verse 42, they, continually, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. As we think about the opportunity that we have, we've planted this church. And as I think about everything that you guys are doing, you are excited. We have an outreach event. Everyone's there. We take pizza to an apartment complex. Everyone is there. And it's not because you like Domino's Pizza. It's because you're excited to reach out. We do something with the police department and everyone is there. We do something with the fire department, and everyone is there. We're, we're working together, and we're excited, and now we have this opportunity to maybe go to a location in the heart of Benbrook where there'll be a permanent sign that says Benbrook Church of Christ. We're not sure if that's going to happen yet or not, but the idea of it excites us. I want us to think about what else we ought to be doing and use this excitement as a time that we can reach out and we can be effective with the gospel. Notice what they do in Acts chapter 2. They don't just get excited because there's 3,000 folks that have responded to the preaching and to the preaching of the gospel and they've, they've heard the gospel and they've been decided to become baptized. They don't stop there. It says, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. Verse 43. But verse 42 says they continually were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were focused on the word of God as presented by the teaching of the apostles. The apostles were these men who had been inspired by God. They had been sent the gift of the Holy Spirit in a miraculous sense so that they could remember everything that Jesus had taught them. And they were learning new things through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And they were divinely teaching. Do the same thing. We need to be focused on the Word of God as it's recorded in the Scripture. Recognizing the writings of the New Testament to be inspired by God, guiding us in everything that we say and do. And I think as a church, we do that. But we need to all remember to feast daily on the teaching of the New Testament. And be focused on the teaching of the New Testament. And practice the teaching of the New Testament. 
But notice what else they did. They focused on the Word of God, but then they also, the text says, had fellowship. Reaching out to others. Building relationships with others. That's what we're trying to do with Copper Crossing Apartments as we reach out to them. That's what we're trying to do when we do things with the Benbrook Police Department and Fire Department. That's what we're trying to do when we go to Heritage and we go to National Night Out and we do other things in the community. We're trying to build that relationship with each other and with the community. Because when it comes right down to it, the greatest thing that's going to impact somebody's life is when they have a relationship with someone and within the framework of that relationship, you establish studies. And you invite someone to come to a Bible study. And you invite someone to come and worship with you. That's much more effective than anything else. And so we do things to have visibility and a presence in the community, but we also need to have that fellowship. We need to have that fellowship with one another. And we do that pretty well. We don't do it as well as a brotherhood as we used to do. Back in the 70s, in the 80s, some of you can't remember that, but some of us can. People were always going over to each other's houses and eating in homes and getting together with each other, just visiting with each other. And we've gotten so busy in our modern culture and society that, generally speaking, as a brotherhood, we've stopped doing that. And I wonder if that impacts big picture brotherhood-wide part of why the church isn't growing and growing together. Why it's so easy for folks to routinely be absent from our worship service because we don't feel that connection with each other. If we're going to continue to have an excitement as a congregation, we need to continue to reach out, but we also need to continue to build relationships with each other and have that closeness, that fondness with one another. When we look around and we see someone missing, we ought to pick up the phone and reach out to them. We need to express to people we're concerned when we know that there's things going on in their life keeping them away from us. And we need to keep those folks in our minds and in our prayers. But as we reach out, there's something else that we need to continue to do. Notice what the text says as we look at this passage. It says, verse 46, day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple. That's... They're assembling together. That's their reaching out to the Jewish community who is in and out of the temple during this Pentecost time frame. Breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. Notice that house to house aspect. And then flip over to Acts chapter 5. In verse 42. And notice that house-to-house -house part. Acts chapter 5, verse 42. This is talking about Peter, James, and John. As they've, or Peter and John as they've been arrested and now released by the Jewish leadership. It says, And every day in the temple and from house to house they kept on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Publicly and house to house. At some point, 
as we plan outreach activities and events, we need to continue constantly doing those things. But at some point, we have to transition from simply doing outreach activities to having Bible studies. If we're going to build on the excitement that we have as a Binbrook Church of Christ, a newly planted church, even as we think about the excitement and at the prospect of maybe having a permanent facility, and we ought to have that excitement, that ought to spur us on, that ought to invigorate us. At some point, we need to do Bible studies. And we need to think about how we can gain those Bible studies. We do that through the outreach activities that we're doing, but we also do that, as I've mentioned, through the relationships that we have. We need to all be thinking about, who do I know that I can invite to a Bible study? One of the things that excites me about having a facility that's centrally located, that we can come and go to as we please, is the ability to have small group Bible studies there. And I don't care what time it is, I don't care, and that, that part's not an issue. It's the idea of having a place where we can get people together in a small group and have a study. Because that's where we're going to be able to transition from having outreach activities to saving souls. So we need to think about that opportunity as we look at the excitement of Acts chapter 2 and we think about where we are and what we can do. Let's go back to Acts chapter 2. It says, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, verse 43. But when you back, back up into verse 42, you see the apostles teaching, you see the fellowship, you see the breaking of bread. And then notice the fourth thing, and to prayer. They were continually devoted to prayer. We need constant prayer. I don't pray like I should. It's easy caught up in the moment, in the time, the schedule of the day, and not spend time in prayer. But as a church and as individuals, we have to be caught continually praying. As we think about this opportunity, it scares me to death because it's an exciting opportunity, but it's also a liability. It's also a risk. It's something unknown. But I know who knows all things. I know who my protector is. I know who my fortress is. I know who my rock is, and that's God. And we need to be praying to God that He's going to open doors for us and He's going to be protecting us from the pitfalls that may exist. We need to be praying to God that His favor is upon us so that in everything that we do, we know that He's with us, and if God is with us, we're going to be successful in reaching out to the lost. We know that God knows who it is in this community whose hearts are open and susceptible to the gospel, and if He can guide us to those folks, we will be successful in teaching them the gospel and sharing with them the gospel so that they can make an informed decision for themselves. And that's what we're trying to do. God knows who it is who can grow in their faith and how we can help them. And so we need to be praying, be careful in prayer, be purposeful in prayer, in praying about these things. And so as we look at the excitement that existed in Pentecost, we have some excitement here. And we need to learn from the example of these apostles and from these, these early Christians 
and working together, fellowshipping together, studying together, praying together. Notice that they were continually doing these things. Verse 22, or 42 rather. They were continually devoting themselves to the teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And if we do that, we will find ourselves, I believe, with the apostles in this early church, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number, day by day, those who are being saved. That's where I want to be. I want to have that passion. I want to have that desire. I want to have that excitement. And I want to have God's grace and God's favor. That as we work together as a church, God is going to be bringing into our presence those who are seeking Him so that we can teach them so that they can come to have a relationship with God. They too can have forgiveness of sins. And if God does that for us as we serve Him, we're going to find ourselves as a church that is visible and present in the community, that's making an impact in the community, that's growing and growing in knowledge and growing in maturity and we'll be a church that glorifies God. Let's build on the excitement that is within us right now and use that excitement. Do these things and be the church that brings glory and honor to God. If you're here this morning and you have prayers, you have needs you'd like the church to be aware of, whatever your need, once you come,